This is the Reading Teacher's Lounge, where listeners can eavesdrop on professional conversations between elementary reading teachers. We're passionate about literacy and strive to find strategies to reach all learners. Shannon and Mary are neighbors who realized that they were literacy soul sisters at a dinner in their Atlanta neighborhood. Once they started chatting about reading, they haven't really stopped. Come join the conversation. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Reading Teacher's Lounge. Um, it's me, Mary Sagafi. I'm here today. Um, I wanted to chat with you all for Season 2, Episode 10. We're going to talk today about some of the components of balanced literacy and also the components of structured literacy, because um, these are some more terms that sometimes confuse teachers, even who are practicing all the time. Um, we sometimes get bogged down with jargon. So today we are going to attempt... And by we, I'm speaking for Shannon today, I'm going to attempt to kind of clear the air about what is going on between these two camps. So um, you've noticed that if you've been listening recently, we're doing a series on balanced literacy. Shannon um, is such an expert reading teacher, and she's been practicing a lot of the traits that are components of balanced literacy for a long time. So we're breaking that down for all of our listeners. And um, I wanted to speak a little bit about how you can kind of bridge the gap and introduce some more structured literacy into um, your school if that's not a practice that's already being um, practiced. And I'm going to break it all down for you today. So let's jump right on in. Um, Let's talk a little bit about what balanced literacy is. So balanced literacy is a philosophical orientation that assumes that reading and writing achievements are developed through instruction and support in multiple environments using various approaches that differ by level, excuse me, of teacher support and of child control. And that's from Fountas and Pinnell, 1996. So we know that the instruction is focused on shared reading, guided reading, and independent reading. Um, Phonics and decoding and spelling are taught during the word study portion of the lesson, and the skills are typically not emphasized and rarely taught systematically. Students are often encouraged to use word analogies, pictures, or contexts to identify words. So that's balanced literacy. Sometimes people will say that balanced literacy is um, whole word approach 2.0. I I tend to kind of disagree with that. I think that there are a lot of really great components to a balanced literacy approach. And I think that um, word study is a big uh, fulcrum where everybody is kind of at the balance. You are, if you are heavy on phonics, like I am, um, then you really want to make sure that phonics is emphasized systematically and explicitly. And that doesn't always happen um, with a balanced literacy approach. Um, they, the components of balanced literacy are word study, where um, it's studying the alphabetic symbol system, and you are learning about phonics, you're learning about morphemic analysis, and using word parts to denote meaning, and also automaticity for sight words. Great! And it also involves decoding, so reading words and encoding, so the phonics and spelling, um, And um, let's see, what else am I missing here? Uh, Students can make meaning from the author's message and convey meaning by creating their own message. The word study portion is really important. And I think that sometimes it does get glossed over, which is why balanced literacy has sort of gotten a bad rap. Um, And so 
Recently, there's been a big article that came out by Lucy Calkins, and Lucy Calkins argues that um, not everyone needs um, the same amount of explicit instruction as some of our struggling readers. However, the structured literacy people say that it can't hurt anyone to get the phonics in this really explicit, systematic way. I'm going to jump back into that in a little bit. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. The other components of balanced literacy are an interactive read-aloud portion, shared reading, strategy groups, independent reading, or sometimes known as reader's workshop, and then also independent reading conferences. So if you've been listening along, um, we've been putting out episodes that kind of have to do with these specific components. Um, And they are really important uh, aspects of reading. So now I'm going to break down what is structured literacy. So structured literacy is a term that's used by IDA, which is the International Dyslexia Association, to unify and encompass evidence-based programs aligned with knowledge and practice standards. So the knowledge and practice standards are the skills that teachers need to be able to do. So those are the skills that all teachers of reading should possess to teach all students to read proficiently. Um, Structured literacy is effective at helping students with specific learning disabilities in the area of reading, such as dyslexia, learn to read and write. Structured literacy is explicit, systematic teaching that focuses on phonological awareness, word recognition, phonics, decoding, spelling, and syntax at the sentence and paragraph levels. So we know that These are kind of big, important things. The the important parts to know about structured literacy are that it's systematic, structured, explicit, and multisensory. The elements of structured literacy are focusing on phonology, the different sounds and words, um, sound symbol associations, syllables, morphology of words, which we also saw in balanced literacy, syntax, and semantics. So the key principles for structured literacy are that they're systematic, cumulative, diagnostic, and explicit. So the big question is, what's better about structured literacy? What's, that's really what we're kind of trying to ask the question. Structured literacy um, does focus on helping students that are struggling readers. If you don't have a strong foundation in those early reading years, then Later on, it it definitely catches up. If you don't have strong phonological awareness, which we have talked about a lot, then you're definitely going to see some cracks with spelling, and you may be having some more difficulty with writing later on. Let's talk a little bit about um, something that I'm posting uh, in our notes here. It's called The Ladder of Reading, and it was created by Nancy Young, and um, it's a ladder. So the top 5%, Um, of students in general who are able, who who, students in general, all students, 5% learn to read seemingly in an effortless way. It really doesn't matter which um, uh, method you approach, 5% typically learn to read. Um, And then 35% of the general population is learning to read is relatively easy with broad instruction. So really, they can still use um, a variety of different methods to learn to read. They're still going to be reading. So that's 5 and 35%, so the top 40%. Then between 40 and 50% 
Learning to read requires them a code-based, explicit, systematic, and sequential instruction. So they are advantaged by structured literacy. That's 40 to 50% of the students in the classroom really need that code-based, explicit, systematic, and sequential instruction. Additionally, 10 to 15% of the learners in your classroom may or may have dyslexia, where learning to read requires the code-based, explicit, systematic, sequential, and diagnostic instruction with a lot more repetition. So if you have 15% of the readers in your classroom, the structured literacy is essential. So you can see that the top 40% learning to read is more effortless than it would be for the bottom 60%. So if you are in the structured literacy camp, the question is really why not? Why wouldn't you do the research-based um, specific structured multi-sensory instruction related to phonics instruction. And what goes along with that is that you don't necessarily want students to be guessing um, with pictures. They don't need to be, um, they don't need to be just calling words. They need to actually be able to decode those words. And once they have cracked that code, then reading and writing does actually become a lot easier for them. So let's chat a little bit about how you can help your school with the transition to a structured literacy approach. Um, my idea for this um, episode actually came because Emily Gibbons, who you all know I love so much, um, did a blog post recently um, about this very topic. So it's how to help your school with the transition to a structured literacy approach. Um, you know, we've talked about the controversy of Lucy Calkins before, and there have been a lot of pushback. Um, people who are uh, hmm, how do I word this? In my opinion, this is strictly my opinion, if you are tied to curriculum that districts have paid a lot of money for, um, you may not be as on board with all of the phonics instruction because you've already laid out all of the information. Um, and sometimes what this really means is you're required to research and do um, outside research and get outside uh, curriculum that may or may not be research-based, may be better than others. And so one of the, the points that Emily Gibbons is making here is how can you help your school just have really good reading instruction? And I think that I'm just going to break it down. Um, what she says is that some of the challenges that structured literacy practitioners like myself, other people who are Orton-Gillingham trained, um, reading specialists who are dealing with struggling readers, um, they often find that they're kind of stuck in isolation. And if you'll recall back to how Shannon had um, just found that, oh goodness, my struggling readers don't know, my fifth graders are really struggling to read. I have to go very back to the very, very beginning, kindergarten, first grade level. Um, sometimes it feels really isolating when you don't know exactly what to do. Um, and sometimes it's really difficult to share your knowledge because sometimes the knowledge that you have is not always well received, which is really the purpose of this whole podcast is so that we can share information in a way that's non-threatening, that's not um, super political, so that we can just get information out there, we can share some 
resources. We can share some blog posts. We can share some um, information with you so that you can then better educate yourself and then also pass it on to other teachers. Or if you're a parent who's listening, um, you know, you need to educate yourself as well. We're, we're all in this together. So um, we don't want anybody to be isolated. That's really what the, the part is. Um, if you're in private practice like myself, um, it's really important to communicate with other teachers. And when I am doing advocacy work, um, my goal is always to build a bridge with the school. I know that when I was a teacher, I felt like I was floundering, like I didn't have enough time. I didn't have enough I had too much on my plate, and there was never enough time to actually do all of the research, and I always was scratching my head wondering, how can I reach this other child? So when I go in, I really like to partner with the teachers, help them do the research for them, and then find programs that are effective, efficient, but most importantly, research-based. So here are some tips that Emily Gibbons shares for um, implementing structured literacy at your school. The first part is um, trust. And she says, it pays to build trust and rapport with teachers. Many intervention teachers have limited time and time to connect with classroom teachers on a regular basis. So um, first, sometimes it's advisable to lay low. Don't go in too strong. Um, But because you don't really want to provoke a defensive reaction. However, once you build that trust and rapport with teachers and they come to you, you can start planting the seeds. Um, The next is data. Data is a driving force and it carries a lot of weight. So while you're building trust and relationships with teachers, you can also be gathering and tracking data on your students and see how they're progressing using the multi-sensory structured language instruction. And then when you share your success data, others will probably naturally start to ask what you're doing and why it's working so well. Next is um, encourage. Encourage in small steps. Um, The demands on education are very overwhelming to teachers. There's always new initiatives and new programs, and this can lead many veteran teachers to becoming resistant, rightfully so. However, providing bite-sized bits of information can also be really effective. So make sure that you can use infographics. I will link some in the show notes today. Um, That can be really powerful, sharing your data. Um, What we really want to do is make sure that the teachers are more fully trained and that they're really understanding what the power of good phonics-based instruction is, Um, the power of structured literacy instruction. Next, you want to share the ideas that can be implemented into the classroom tomorrow without radically changing what teachers are doing, which is often what Shannon and I are trying to do with you all. Um, How can you make your classroom more multi-sensory? How can you add structured literacy practices where it already fits into their schedule? How can they add in some multi-sensory phonics-based games? Or can they do some extra work on syllables? Um, It does need to be systematic and explicit, but baby steps are really important. Um, Next, you really need to get your administration um, to support you. And if you have administrators that value structured literacy or understand the process of learning to read, you are way ahead of the game. If you are not in that camp, then you're going to also want to use data and use all of the same steps that we just talked about. Um, by sharing research and data, that's probably your best bet when it comes to administrators. Um, It creates a powerful trend towards positive change. Next, 
And I found this to be so important when I was practicing in the classroom and even now too. Be open. Open your door and invite people in. Let people see what you're doing. Um, Make sure that you are welcoming to people to come in and do an observation. Uh, They can always learn something or even if it's coming in and, and noticing how you've organized your shelves. Those small steps really go a long way. Um, So keep your door open and be open when people come in to ask you questions. Next, professional development um, opportunities. So in addition to um, putting things into, uh, so so you can do little bits of bite-sized learning, um, but there's lots and lots of professional development things um, that your teachers can get involved in and maybe just sharing some of those with your administration trying to get a small group of teachers together to do that. Um, Orton-Gillingham trained teachers and certified teachers often encourage a Dyslexia 101 course. I have always found it to be really helpful. There are some really good simulations too. Make sure that when you do a simulation though, um, some, some simulations do show that letters can be reversed and, um, you need to really encourage teachers to understand that students are not seeing the letters reversed. They are processing them. It's a brain-based, and it's not a vision issue. So just circling back to that. Next is, um, and I think this is probably the key to life, and that is be patient. Remember that organizational change does not come quickly. It does not come easily, and it does take a lot of time to get buy-in and get all of the moving pieces going in the right direction. Um, Sometimes it will take up to five years um, or more for a school's um, policy and implementation to come to fruition. So structured literacy instruction does lead to more efficient and accurate decoding and encoding, and those improvements do motivate teachers um, even further, and there are lots of schools that have data to back that up. Next, um, is what I was just about to say. Provide backup with research. Administration, educators, and families all want information about the approach, but you have to be able to use trusted sites and link to research articles and lists of books um, and make sure that there's a plan for training and also a plan for implementing change bit by bit. So that's Emily Gibbons' um, little blog post. Thank you, Emily, for letting me share that, um, because I think it's exactly what our listeners are hoping to be able to do at their schools, and this is one way of really implementing it. So um, I will post the links in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me today, and um, as always, when you're ready to join the conversation, please send us a message on social media at Reading Teachers Lounge um, on our Facebook page, Reading Teachers Lounge, or you can email us, readingteacherslounge at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. If you find our podcast valuable, please make sure that you rate us and review us on Apple iTunes, uh, or Apple Podcasts, excuse me. That really helps us grow on the list and brings other people to um, hear our message. And till next time. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.